Welcome back to another episode of Lakers Explained, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am one of your hosts, Christian Rivas, joined by Harrison Fagan. Sir, how are you doing today uh, on a day where we're in the month in which basketball is, is scheduled to return? Not sure if it will, but it certainly seems like the NBA thinks it will. So we're going to go with that assumption. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're also in the month where it's finally starting to get really hot. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to survive uh, as best I can and, you know, stay cool. But, you know, recording a podcast, I don't think people realize, like, that you have to be, it's like the most elite of elite as human beings. Because the amount of suffering that we have to put our bodies through to do this, it's like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I want our listeners to have good audio. So like, I have to shut the windows in my apartment. I have to turn off the fans that are blowing on me so that I'm not getting feedback. And you know, I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm probably gonna sweat through this shirt by the time that we're done. But <laughs> that is the sacrifice that I'm willing to make for you as listeners. What I'm not willing to do is not put you through the visual of me describing what how much sweat I'm going to get from this and for that I am sorry but I'm also not sorry because I need you to know how much I love all of you <laughs> I'll keep you all updated on uh, what that shirt looks like throughout the show right now it's like uh, I got my medium-sized baller brand shirt on <laughs> but it's it's white so this is going to look like a t-shirt contest by the end uh, of the show say, it looks now. light gray so yeah from where I'm sitting. Um, Are you colorblind? It's white. No, no. <laughs> oh, it, I guess it's, it's a lighting thing. It's a yes. lighting thing. All right. No need to shame me. <laughs> Just because I have... Whatever. Yeah, that was anyway, really ableist um, on my part. I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, yeah, I um, I usually do the same. Um, my air is on right now, and it's not that loud. So hopefully you can't. No, you, you busted You're, out the gun show today. You went with the LeBron jersey. so It's an, um, it's an 80 jersey. Oh, okay. But, My yeah. bad. I, I just saw Lakers in like that banana yellow, so I assumed it was LeBron because that yeah, one's no. always LeBron when I see it on people. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was going to wait until next season to buy the AD jersey, but then I thought to myself, like, if he really does change into 23 next year, it'll be like the Jordan Wizards jersey. Um, or so, the Dwight Howard number 12 jersey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, hopefully not not like the Dwight Howard number 12 jersey because that implies AD's going to come back in like nine years after, you know, having a whatever run with the Chicago Bulls. Um, but, yeah, and I also wanted the jersey from the year he won his first championship with the Lakers. So that was my logic behind it, and I don't regret it. Well, pending the results of this pandemic and whether or not it allows the NBA to start back up again, uh, you know, I think I think the Lakers have a good shot at it if the, <laughs> if we are able to play basketball again. And that's actually like, uh, you know, you and I were talking about what we wanted to talk about today. And I think that like the Lakers playing basketball, that's what we want to talk about after like months of, you know, I think we've been able to talk about some basketball topics on this show, but, you know, it, it's been a little sparse in terms of like basketball related discourse. And so I, I think both of us thought it would be fun I initially you wrote a great article on Kyle Kuzma today and like his season so far and what he has to show in Orlando so I was like all right you did the research already let's just talk about Kuz but then you had the great idea of let's talk about all of the guys on this team that have something to prove going into Orlando and you know I'm excited to discuss it just because we have not gotten to talk enough about this stuff over the last couple months and you know like you said we'll see if the NBA actually does end up getting to go through with this season with the way the Florida numbers are trending but it seems like they're going to try and you know hopefully it all goes off safely. This is something I'd usually do post-trade deadline um with the guys that have the most proven in the second half of the season, but it feels like we've had like three second halves of the season by at this point. Yeah. This by is the, time the fourth the postseason. half of the season. Yeah. <laughs> by the time the postseason rolls around, it'll be like, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's weird. It's a weird time we are living in right now, not just as basketball fans, but as humans, uh, but I don't want to get that heavy on this podcast. So we'll stick to basketball. <laughs> so we will be sticking to sports this pod. Most, um, but yeah, I I think we can get into the guys that obviously uh, could benefit from having a big tournament, if you want to call it, in Orlando. Uh, but let's start off with the guys that just very obviously don't need to prove anything to anybody in Orlando. Um, and I think at the very tip top of that list is LeBron James. Oh, I disagree. 
<laughs> Please tell me who you think it is. He's he's got to he's got to prove that he's not the hashtag washed king. You know, oh as many people God. were saying, many people, Christian, were calling him washed last season. Dozen, so, dozens of us. Yeah, does it? There are dozens of them, and just, like mainly just Anthony and his burner accounts. But many many people were calling him washed last year. And LeBron, you know, frankly, he has to prove that he knows how to win. You know, like he's oh got to prove God. that he's got the clutch gene. Like I, I'm I'm pulling that take back. I'm just kidding. I'm just I know that like there probably are some people that just rage quit the podcast right there um but for those already, who that stuck with it i'm yeah, just kidding LeBron is, <laughs> yeah lebron is like basically like i think you know he at least already has an argument as the goat if you even if you don't think he is he does not have anything to prove in this playoffs the funniest thing about all of this and the thing i'm most excited to see is for some reason we do this thing with lebron every year with the exception of last year obviously because they didn't make the playoffs we do this thing with LeBron where it's like, okay, he's clearly when, when he wants to be the best player in the NBA by a lot. Like, with all due respect to Giannis, I think that Bucks game showed that when LeBron wants to outplay the person in front of him and wants to make a statement, he'll do it. For any and one so, game, he can be the best player in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, Giannis, if you want us to change our minds, just come to L.A. Like, that's just, that's <laughs> our, that is our offer to you. Like, if that you is, want to start yeah. saying things like that about you, just join the Lakers. Second half, who has the most to prove in the second half of their career? Yeah. And how Lakers can they Giannis. do it on the Lakers? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, I, it, it's funny because you see conversations with Giannis and Kawhi and how this is the year they take the throne and how much just head and shoulders – better they've been than LeBron this season. Um, I don't think that's true because I think LeBron's had as good of a season as he's ever had this season, just in a different way. Uh, I also just think the games, the most recent games at least, he's played against those two guys. He's just, I, I don't think he's scared of anybody and I don't think he has reason to be. And, you know, to jump into the next player, I think the point Frank Vogel made, um, what was it, yesterday, um, about LeBron and AD how confident he is in their chances just watching them play. I found myself watching games on Saturday, I think it was. Um, and yeah, I, I felt the same way. Like it's been a little while since we've watched LeBron and AD play basketball, but specifically those games against Clippers and Bucks, you just get the feeling that these guys are going to go through whoever's in front of them. Might not be easy, but I mean, they, they can get it done. Yeah, and if anything, I mean, obviously conditioning is a different thing than like muscular shape, but from the mm -hmm. shots that we've been getting of those two at the practice facility, they look like they've somehow got, like they're the only two people on the planet that got in better shape during quarantine. <laughs> well, Taylor Horton Tucker also got in Yeah, no, shape. okay, sorry, three people. Taylor Horton Tucker, <laughs> and actually Rondo, honestly, like I tweeted the video from Silver Screen and Roll, Rondo looks like he put on the proverbial 15 pounds of muscle. Like, he's looking jacked. Right. <laughs> you went on the Mike Bibby workout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no joke. Like, like he's got he's got biceps now. Like, yeah, I think Rondo's always been pretty big, but he definitely looked um, like stockier in that yeah. video. Yeah, maybe he had somebody like draw on the ab lines or something just to like make it look more <laughs> defined or something. But uh, or like had somebody like douse him with like water or whatever. But you know, it, you know, he's he's looking like he might have like put on some muscle during this stoppage. That's what I've never understood about Rondo is that. Even last offseason, I looked at Rondo working out shirtless, as he often does, and I just thought, wow, he's in incredible shape. Why isn't he, like, moving better on defense? That doesn't make any sense. No, see, he does, it's because he calls switch every time somebody sets a screen on him or something. <laughs> like, he just doesn't want to. Uh, but, no, I think, unless you disagree, Harrison, I think – uh LeBron James and Anthony Davis are probably the only two guys on the roster that don't have anything else to prove at this stage of the career I think you you can make the case for Dwight Howard you can I, I think it's just it's different for Dwight because number one we don't know if he's going to go and number two he's never gone into the playoffs as this type of player like this kind of yeah. super role player and so he has to kind of prove that he can continue to be useful in that role in the postseason but yeah I mean like if we're just looking at career wise like Dwight's led teams to the finals and stuff like like Dwight's proven a lot during his right. career I, I think the other guy depending I know that we were going to talk about another category of guys who are like too insignificant to almost matter as far as having things to prove I, I Jared Dudley I think either goes 
in that category or this one. Like, honestly, Jared Dudley's had a really good NBA career. He's, like, pretty old now. Like, you could honestly probably put him in this, like, he doesn't necessarily have anything else to prove. He's had good playoff series and stuff like that. Like, you know, he's kind of done what he's going to do. So it just depends on how you define it. But he could go in either of these categories because I think he's shown that he's a playoff-level role player. Absolutely. And I I think – the only reason I lump him into the category of players that just aren't going to matter enough um, to like have to prove anything is just because of the depth they have at the that yeah position. like barring something going really wrong he's probably not going to play a significant role yeah so for that reason I think LeBron and AD are, are the two guys but moving on to that next category I think Duds is a great place to start because I wrote in that story I wrote about Kyle Kuzma that you can find on SilverScreenAndRoll.com. Um, that even prior to Markeith Morse's arrival, I think there were players on the roster that did a better job of what Kyle Kuzma is trying to do than Kyle Kuzma is currently doing. Yeah. I do not know if that's a hot take, uh, but that's how I feel about Dudley. I think last year in the playoffs, he showed that if you just need a guy that can rebound the ball, play help defense and make open three-pointers, he is that guy. And troll Ben Simmons. Like, if you and need that yes. last part specifically, he's really good at that. Like, I look forward to seeing, like, what kind of quotes Dudley gives about Kawhi. Like, like if he drops, like, a, there should be an asterisk on the Raptors title or something right before the Clippers series. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, the levels of trolling that he takes this to. I'm, I'm excited for all kinds of quotes we get in, in the bubble w- between, like, Dion and JR was surprisingly like how do I say this I don't want to say stoic but he didn't seem like yeah yeah he did not seem like himself in uh his first interview with the Lakers I don't know if he's going the Dwight Howard route I, it seems like it. Like, it seems like, you know, I think when you've been out of the league that long or you've been, like, for him, he's been out of the league for almost two years. For Dwight, it was, like, however many teams and however many years, something like six yeah. and six or something like that. Uh, like, you know, when you've been kind of left for, you know, like, professionally, like, left for dead, like, I think you know that you got to be, like, on your P's and Q's when you come into a new place. And, uh, like, I did not expect JR to come in and drop, like, a bunch of zany quotes because also, like, he's trying to push back on the reputation that he has as, like, this kind of, for lack of, like, better words, like, this, like, brainless, like, you know, kind of zany role player or whatever because of the finals thing, because of the soup thing, because of all the stuff in New York, like, all that stuff. Like, he has a reputation as being kind of like a knucklehead, for lack of a better term, I think, like, a among, you know, like a lot of people, you know, he just got into like, he just, there was TMZ footage of him fighting someone. Look, like so that person like broken his car, but there's all this stuff like it, you just added up and added up and added up where he has a certain reputation. And I kind of expected him to be relatively subdued. And he was like, he was not going to come out and give like uh, some crazy quote on his intro call. Yeah. I think to your point, if, if people want to dislike J.R. Smith, there is no shortage of things to point at and say like, he's an unprofessional or whatever i am cautiously optimistic with jr i think i was pretty er like i was on the bandwagon that he should be on an nba roster pretty i think you were for him over dion back when they were making signings i did yeah and i get like vogel alluded to them or outright said that they signed dion over jr because dion was more of a ball handler than jr and i think that's whether it was you or Jacob, the case you guys made uh, for Dion over JR. I get it. I'm happy they're both on the roster. Obviously, I would have preferred Avery Bradley uh, to both of them. But, you know, shout out to Avery for sticking to his guns and keeping his family safe. Uh, Anybody that does going forward, I also um, commend them. Yeah, so we can we can also put Avery Bradley under this not applicable group then, I guess, uh, <laughs> as well as Troy Daniels, who is still on the Lakers stats roster page on NBA.com oh, uh, because he has played games for them this year. And that confused me for a second. I was like, wait, Troy Daniels? Like, no. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, Troy Daniels <laughs> is ruled out uh, and Avery Bradley's ruled out. Uh, like, are there any other guys besides uh, Jared Dudley? Like, I guess the, as far as we're saying, like, like if everything goes right are not going to play a significant enough role to prove things I, I would add three right off the bat the G League guys Costas uh Taylor Horton Tucker and Devontae Kaycock I think like the all, those three guys unless something goes wrong uh like are not probably not going to play a, sp- a significant role for the Lakers like I think the one guy like if Dwight sits out I think Kaycock 
jumps up to that next, like he's got to prove he's an NBA player level. But if Dwight doesn't sit out, I don't know that he's going to have a significant role. I think in terms of like recency, I would, oh, well, sorry. In terms of recency, I think I'd clump JaVale into that first category with LeBron and AD, but having JaVale in a group with LeBron and AD just feels kind of wrong. Um, I all also, guys with all it's unless it's like a group of like all guys with insane draft combine measurable like something <laughs> like that like just guys with like crazy wingspan for their size like I think though with JaVale and I think the same argument can be made for Dwight it really just boils down to who plays better between the both of them and again I don't mean to sound hot takey but I do think Dwight in that space will probably if he goes yeah uh will probably look better than he did in the regular season i think they were kind of slowly bringing him along to see one if he could buy into that role and two how he looked alongside the group they had um so i wouldn't be surprised to see the loose get a little uh more loose once they get to orlando uh but it is a toss-up between javel and dwight for me who just isn't going to matter in the postseason because of how much AD is likely to play center. I know Vogel said straight up that he doesn't expect AD to play more center than he did in the regular season. But you look at those games they played against the Clippers and Bucks, and um, it, it just seems like he's going to spend significantly more time. Also, I, I have some I have some points that I want to make on this, and I made them when I wrote last week about this. But like yeah. I, as I predicted, Anthony Irwin uh, just read the headline on our site when he was doing Locked On Lakers, and like just uh, like basically reacted to just that of like Frank Bo- and like took it as like AD is not going to play center in the playoffs. Uh. Like first of all, like when Fra- <laughs> Frank Vogel said he does not want to play Anthony Davis any more than he already is at center. Anthony Davis is already playing forty percent of his minutes center that's like almost half I know that that's a career that's like nearly a career low I think it's like the second lowest of his career uh but like that's still almost half your minutes like at some point if you play him a ton more than that like we've seen in the past you're getting diminishing returns and things like that and the Lakers with with JaVale and Dwight are uniquely suited to kind of unleash AD at the four and not force him to guard those fives all the time and so and the other thing is too like Frank has no incentive to be honest with us about that. Like, why does it, like, what incentive does he have to say a month before the playoffs start? Like, oh yeah, no, we're going to play AD like 60% of his minutes at center, you know, and like have teams prepare more for that. No, like go in and have them think that you're going to play big ball and then save that as an adjustment if you need it. Like, not like teams won't prepare to play Anthony Davis at center regardless, but like why reveal that card before you have to? Like, I I just don't see the incentive, you know, especially when they don't know if Dwight's coming or not yet. Like he has no incentive to be honest about that yet or not. Yeah. And in in Vogel's defense, I just don't think the Lakers have found the right combination of guys to put with AD at center. Well, and the other thing too, like AD is a free agent this off season. He said over and over again that he doesn't want to play center. Like, are you really going to like play like outside of here? Like it's one thing to be in Orlando and be like, okay, well Dwight ended up not coming. And you know, like the Costas, Devante, whatever combination just isn't working. AD, can you please play some more center for us? We really need you. Like it's different to do that than to go into it and just be like, Hey AD, like we need you to play more center. You know, like it's, you, you can appeal to his better instinct and his desire to win down the line rather than shoehorning him preemptively into a role that he doesn't want. Right. Anthony has been on the 80 doesn't want to play center train since the moment he was traded. So that yeah, he's not done like he's me. done every that, that, that was the he he kind of uh, like staked out that corner immediately <laughs> and was like, OK, I need to have a take on this AD trade. And it's going to be that if AD doesn't play a center, he's a he's cl- a clown fraud coward. <laughs> and who doesn't want to win and the Lakers shouldn't re-sign him you know like wow. a pro- that that is as accurate of an interpretation of Anthony's takes as he sometimes does from paraphrasing just people's tweets without seeing what the person actually said <laughs> so I'm 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 completely comfortable with that and Anthony I love you I just had to you a <laughs> and on that note we're gonna take a quick break uh and when we come back we will talk about the players that actually have something to prove in Orlando and there are quite a few of them So Harrison, we already talked about the players that don't have anything to prove in Orlando. And if they do, it probably doesn't matter enough to move the needle for the Lakers in one direction or the other. Uh, 
the group that I'm most interested now is the players that do have something to prove. And I want to, I want to specify that these guys at different levels have something to prove. Like, so for example, I'll start here with Danny green because he's somebody that interests me. Danny green by his standards has not had the best season offensively defensively. I think he's looked as good as ever, except for maybe in like one-on-one situations. Um, I but saw term- Raj from Unwritten Rules call him icy hot last night because <laughs> of like how like up and down he's been as far as shooting, which like is a I don't know if he made that up or if that was from somewhere else, but that is a hilarious and apt nickname for even me as like probably the resident number one Danny Green defender on the Silver Screen and Roll staff. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I, even even I had like, but you know, that's been his part of his thing this year. So he's had really hot shooting games and really cold shooting games, and if you have a certain opinion about Danny Green making fifteen million dollars, you're going to notice those cold shooting games a lot more right and I think Danny Green from what I've been told by like Raptors and Spurs fans during spurts of the season where I'm just like I don't know about this guy I don't know if he's gonna live up to this contract because of his age or because of the fatigue he had from you know that championship run with the Raptors I guess this is just something he does he gets hot and cold throughout the regular season it does I mean just looking at his basketball reference stats it doesn't look like he's gone through stretches like this recently um but I have faith that he'll put it all together in the postseason the reason I put him in this group though is because one he still has to prove yet he can do it with this team um and two he has to prove he can play heavy minutes which I think would have been less of a question mark if this was just a normal season and they would have entered the postseason right away the fact that he's been off for as many months as he has um can either mean he's well rested from that championship run with with the raptors or that load managing that they did throughout the season was just pointless and everybody's going to be rested yeah i mean like you know like danny green i think obviously you talk about like being worth his contract like danny green is not going to like live up to his contract by traditional measurements as far as if you're looking for you know like him to be worth 15 million dollars like he's just not going to be but like that was the price that was the tax that the lakers had to pay by getting danny green to wait on and not sign with the mavericks while the lakers waited out Kawhi. like you know we've talked about this before and like that was just what it was going to cost to get danny green and it wasn't danny green or like you know ex role player that you saw on the market that you would have signed or whatever because the lakers were waiting out by the time that that was over like the guys on the market none of them were as good as danny green and so yeah. like the the lakers that was kind of just the tax that they had to pay for him like he's not going to be worth uh you know exactly like, like he's not going to be like what you think of as a 15 million dollar player he just has to live up to that role as like a reliable kind of plus role player in the postseason and like his entire career has offered evidence that he will eventually do that and they've been able to like stealth load manage him for most of the season right i think the then the other guy who probably has more to prove just because of the circumstance he's put he's been put in by avery bradley's decision which again you know is there's no problem with his decision at all it's just you cannot deny there are basketball implications because of it no Um, we have to address those you know like he he did the right thing for him but like and also really quick on danny green i was looking up the stat but like outside of his first playoff appearance and last year when he was injured uh he shot better from three-point range in the postseason uh than the regular season every single year of his career sounds good to me yeah um but no, I, I'm guessing unless Frank Vogel decides to roll out a new lineup just right before the start of the postseason, I'm assuming Contavious Caldwell-Pope will be the starting point guard for the Lakers when they return. Uh, and I also wrote about KCP a little earlier this month. And I think on offense, he's been as good as you could have asked him to be, especially after the start he had and the season he had prior to this, he's been great. The defensive end is where I have the biggest question mark. And I think is where he's needed the most with Avery Bradley out because he's a better shooter than Avery Bradley. I think J.R. Smith is probably going to be a better shooter than Avery Bradley. I don't know if that's me setting my expectations too high, Uh, but there's nobody on the roster that can offer that same three and D 
like player in the starting lineup other than Danny Green is and he's already in the starting lineup. So I'm really, really interested to see if KCP rises to the challenge. Yeah, and like I, I think it's like you said, there's reason to believe that he could do that. You know, like he's shot better for like than Avery Bradley has this season. And if you know, like if the rest of the Lakers are able to step up or somehow figure out a way to kind of amp themselves up into getting as frenzied and excited on defense as they were when Avery Bradley was playing, that was I think kind of an intangible effect he had on the team was kind of infusing energy with his hustle. Uh, like then, you know, I think that maybe they can make up for it and figure it out. And like I, I know, like you. you You've been saying the whole podcast like I don't want to be hot take like I will preface this with I don't want to you know drop like a hot take but I honestly think that like there's a chance the Lakers end up having addition by subtraction but with uh with Bradley sitting out and mm-hmm. like I-, I think that they're more prepared to weather this the more that I think about it then yeah you know Bradley's been good for them like I all credit to him you know I know a lot of us were not optimistic about what he would bring and like he's been really good he was like key at like helping them get easy little mid-range shots he was like, a big part of the success of their starting lineup as a defender but I think KCP is going to make their offense significantly better uh like if he does start I think that Caruso can give them a lot of what Avery Bradley was giving them defensively uh and I think KCP can like he can't do exactly he can't play defense like Avery Bradley did but like I at least think the drop off won't be as steep as the offensive increase will like help the Lakers Yeah, yeah uh and so you're making a trade-off there. I also think that, like, just having more minutes for JR when, like, both KCP and Avery Bradley can reasonably replicate the pluses that, uh, you know, like, Bradley brought to the table. Like, I think that – or, sorry, Caruso and KCP. I think I said Bradley and KCP. Yeah, you did. Caruso and KCP can uh, kind of reasonably replicate the strengths that Bradley brought to the table. And I think that freeing up some of those minutes for Dion and JR, who both give the Lakers things that Bradley didn't and things that the Lakers were lacking in more – I think there is at least a chance that this ends up being better for the Lakers than had Bradley played. I think that's absolutely right. And like to your point about Caruso, he's the other guy that stands to benefit so much from the Orlando experiment, because I think so far this season, Alex Caruso has shown that he is the exact type of role player you want on the Lakers in limited minutes. He's a, great energy guy you sub him off the bench for rondo or you know whoever and and he just he has a jolt of, he he adds a jolt of energy to your roster and uh, especially on the defensive end i mean you've seen his on off numbers it's just ridiculous what what the lakers defense turns into when he's on the floor and and i mean that in a good way the question for me with caruso is is his ceiling that energy guy or does he have another level he can go uh, particularly offensively because as a shooter, he hasn't been great, but like as everything else he's, he's been even worse, like as a mid range shooter or, or trying to create something out of nothing, that's just not the type of guy he is, which is why he probably wasn't drafted. Um, and then you got, you have guys like Dion waiters who can do that, which I think speaks to your point about, them making up that hole at the guard guard position by committee but i think at the at the center of that needs to be a big contribution by caruso yeah and like you know i i think there caruso really does have a real opportunity here to prove something and to prove once and for all that like he's more than a meme like i think those of us that pay close attention know that but i think for a lot of more casual especially casual nba fans less so lakers fans it's just like why is this guy getting all this attention it's just because he's like kind of balding and because he looks because he like he dunks sometimes and he's overhyped and bleacher report tweets about him too much and da 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 and like look like you know I know I'm not going to dispute that we probably tweet about Caruso more than he warrants as a basketball player. All of us, this is the collective we, but look, he's also a lot of fun. And like we've gotten, I think from Lakers fans at least and not national brand accounts, it at least comes from a place of like, we've watched this guy grow. We've been telling you that this guy is good since like he subbed in for Lonzo ball in summer league, or at least that he has a chance to be good. And, you know, I look at him as a guy that you know speaking of hot takes like from earlier like I I think that this is like a this could be a postseason where we see Caruso have like a Trevor Ariza type breakout like 
yeah. Trevor Ariza is a guy that like, obviously like now he's looked at as like kind of the like pinnacle role player. He's helped out a lot of teams in the playoffs. He's been reliable in multiple stops, like a really good player. Obviously like Lakers fans have a lot of fond memories of Ariza from like his time with the Lakers. That is in large part because the one season where he played a significant role for the Lakers in the playoffs was the 2009 postseason when after like I think never shooting over 40% for his career from three he shot 47.6% over 23 games in the postseason (laughs) that month and like got himself a multi-year deal that offseason got paid the same amount as Ron Artest who was a much more proven veteran basically traded places on him with the Lakers and then went on to have like a really nice career after that breakout with LA Caruso like before that he had bounced around from Orlando hadn't really played a significant role in LA like it wasn't super clear what he was again I'm not saying that Alex Caruso is gonna like is gonna shoot almost 50% from three during the playoffs but like what I'm saying is that there is a chance here for him to prove like okay you deserve this bigger role and like take the, those reins and nobody like going into those playoffs was like oh Trevor Ariza huge role for the Lakers like Luke Walton had played a decent amount that year like they had bounced around as far as like who their consistent wing was like you know going into that postseason and he sees that by the horns just with like the strength of his shooting and he had a really good Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets like again I'm not saying Caruso will do this I'm just saying that like if he seizes this moment then all of a sudden these complaints from Lakers bloggers from diehard fans from you know Alex Caruso stands who somehow exist like that oh <laughs> like Frank Vogel hates Alex Caruso he doesn't play him enough minutes all this stuff like that is going to be a thing of the past because if he proves himself on the playoff stage there's no more like you can't say Rondo's a more proven veteran or you know this about this guy or whatever like at that point Caruso has seized it for himself and so I do think that even though he's made good he's got a real NBA deal of this year this is the next step for him to take to prove himself. And there's only one reason Caruso wouldn't play heavy minutes in the playoffs, and I think it is Rondo. Yeah. And I think you and I have made our opinions on Rondo pretty known. I think to no fault of his own, he's just past his his prime. And the Rondo that I think a lot of players are – sorry, I, I, a, a lot of – When he says Rondo a lot of players, people, he means LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> that – like LeBron and Vogel and, you know, just a lot of people are holding on to is the Rondo who's just an elite floor general. And um, I think there are parts of the season where he's shown that. Uh, I think he went off against the Suns earlier this year. But, I mean, besides that, the only upside I see with Rondo and the only reason I have him on this list is I do not think you can discount the connection that he has with Anthony Davis. Of of all the narratives about Rondo going into the season, that is the only one that's held true, is that two-man pairing with him and Anthony Davis. Um, and not only have they done it this season, they've done it in the past in the postseason. And yes. as much as Rondo hates the... Rondo made Damian Lillard his son for like a right. whole playoff series. <laughs> You know, like, like people were, people were tweeting those pictures. I'm not making this up. Like that's right. a real thing. And, and as much as he hates the playoff Rondo moniker, I and think he it hates is, it. Like he yeah. really hates it. Like really, really hates it. I think it's a, a very real thing. I mean, it, the statistics show that it's a real thing. Yeah. But can, like, can you imagine if like, if somebody was like, if somebody called you playoff Rebus, they're like, yeah, Christian's <laughs> blogs suck the entire regular season, all off season. But like during the playoffs, he's actually a pretty good writer. Well, I mean, if it secured me, what is he making? $2.5 million. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be okay with it. Yeah. If, if it got you, uh, <laughs> if you got you the bag. Yeah. Okay. I could respect that. But I, 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 and I think that, alone even if it's you know limiting his upside of his impact in the playoffs I think that connection with Anthony Davis is enough yeah and like look Rondo I think absolutely deserves to be on this list because as much as you could say like oh he's going to be a hall of famer like he won the ring with the Celtics and like he's had a really good career and he has but he he has not proven much like we were talking about with Dwight where like he has not proven that he can excel in this specific role going into the postseason even that year with Anthony Davis he was less far from his prime he was like he was clearly like he was a plus contributor that whole season even though he took it to the next level like 
Rondo has not really proven that he can play a significant role for a playoff team since then. And he hasn't had a ton of opportunities to, but like he has, like, he's just not been good. Like we, we can be honest about it. Like he's mostly not been good. He's had his moments, but he's mostly not been good. And it, like the Lakers now, especially without Bradley, like they either need Caruso to step up or they need Rondo to do it. Or like they, you know, they got to go to Dion Waiters or something like that. And then at that point, you're starting to get really desperate. But um, like Rondo is someone who definitely has an opportunity to prove once and for all that, okay, he is this consummate winner. And he is this guy that like when LeBron talks about, like he is the best basketball IQ other than him of like anyone he's ever played with. And when Anthony Davis talks about like how much he wants to play with him and how much Rondo was a factor in him playing here like all this stuff you know like Rondo has to go out there and prove that and from when Frank Vogel relies on him over Alex Caruso and says he's more proven despite Caruso like being better in almost every single area this year like this is when Rondo has to justify that otherwise like it makes no sense that you're going to these links to keep him happy and engaged yeah I again my expectations are pretty low and I think the the good news is I think earlier in the season with with the way the roster was constructed you had you kind of leaned on the excuse that like okay well Rondo might not be great but he's really all we have in terms of ball handling uh now you have Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith and to a much lesser extent Quinn Cook and I I say to a much lesser extent Quinn Cook is I I disavow the Quinn Cook take yeah I know I was gonna correct you again I I just I like Quinn Cook is hashtag not my point guard he is an incredibly nice man and uh (laughs) like I think that he has valuable skills for the NBA and like I really like Quinn I do I like his game and I think it has value I'm not with you on the Quinn Cook as a ball handler for this team. okay uh, but that's the thing to your to like in the same breath I say to a much lesser extent because up until talking about the Lakers guard options, I completely forgot he was on the roster. Oh, like even more so than Dion Waiters. Oh, sorry, Quinn. <laughs> but I thought, um, Frank, I felt like gave him like a pity shout out the other day. He was like asked about guys that he wanted to see more from in the postseason, And he, like he threw Quinn Cook in there, even though he hadn't been asked. Uh, like, and he was asked about new additions. And he's like, you know, Quinn's been dealing with some injuries and we really want to get him some more opportunities. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Now there are too many guards on the roster. I do not think Quinn Cook is leaving that bench unless it's like scrimmage games. I mean, Dion and Jr. are going to have to beat him out. Like Quinn's at least to his, like he's at least been on the team the whole year. Right, right, like right, those right. guys are going to have to come in and prove it. You know. Yeah. Like. So we'll see what happens. We're down to our the last two guys, and I the first one I want to bring up is Markeith Morris, um, because I'm. I was a fan of the move to bring Markeith Morris on. I much would have preferred somebody like Mo Harkless, but he just wasn't available. Uh, so I, I can stop talking about that now. But with Markeith, it reminds me a little bit, at least so far, has reminded me a little bit of the move the Lakers made for Reggie Bullock last year, is that they wanted to bring a dead-eye three-point shooter onto the roster. It's just the amount of time they have to get him acclimated to the system and, you know, just, I, I guess the form he's in right now, it, it just has not matched up with the expectations they had. Oh, I actually kind of disagree. I, I think I went into it as a Markeith Morris uh, pessimist. And so, like, I, I think maybe we have different feelings on this. But, um, like, he's actually been better than I expected and more useful and played, like, a bigger role. Because I thought that, like, you know, going into this, I was like, why can't Jared Dudley just give you those things? Like, I was yeah. looking at what they were asking for from him and all that. And I'm like, I feel like Jared Dud- But, like, you know, I, I think it's some they feel on some level that they can't. Like, Jared Dudley's older now, and you don't necessarily want to have that be, like, the only person that you have between you and, like, needing a Kyle Kuzma heat check game every single night. Um, And so, like, I I think Markeith has been good. Like, I thought he was really, really good against the Clippers. And that was, like, the ideal role for him, where you're playing him, like, against this other small team. It's, like, the ultra small ball five. Um, He's a better rebounder than Kuz. He's a better shooter than Kuz. And, like, you know, like you were talking about Dudley as far as being like kind of this proven like three and D type like four guy. Like I think that's where Markeith is at this point in his career and seems to accept that role. And like, I honestly think that he's going to like, 
he could be really valuable for the Lakers, especially if Dwight doesn't play. I think that we are going to see a decent amount of him. It's like, you know, again, I'm not saying he's Draymond Green, but like that level of small ball five in terms of like undersized and playing that small uh, and mostly focusing on like defense and three-point shooting and stuff like that. Like I actually um, like have become a bigger fan of the addition watching him play for the Lakers. Like he, he's obviously not been all good, but I think he's been all right. And I, I think I can see the outlines of a useful role player there, especially if Kuz continues to struggle. Oh, so can I. Like yeah. it, the, the case to make for him isn't hard. Like looking at his career in the, like even as soon as this season, if you look at his numbers for Detroit, he was shooting 39.7% from three on 4.3 attempts per game. Really good. Since coming to LA, 28.6% from three on 2.6 attempts per game. Uh, which again, yeah, that's like out of like 34 shots or something, right? right? Like it's a small thing. Like, yeah. And I, I agree. It's a really small sample size, but that's what I like really want to see. Cause analytics are ruining the game. This is why, this is why I've maintained <laughs> this. You like nerdy blog boys. You don't watch how Markeith Morris fits in and you just go to his three point percentage and you try to like disparage this man's career. Well, you're really not going to like uh, this stat. Uh, per oh, cleaning no. the glass, the, Lakers are 14.2 points per 100 possessions worse with Marquise Morris on the floor uh, offensively, which is in the second percentile in the NBA. Just not, not great. And again, I understand no, the sample size so is small. It, it is small. And it's like, it's factoring, it's over factoring in like a couple of like 25 point blowouts that like where he played above his average in minutes, like that he got destroyed by two blow. I looked this up when I was writing about him for our like previously on the Lake show series. And I'm verbally filibustering really quick while I look it up <laughs> uh, because like I, I was like, how have they been that bad with him on the floor? Like I didn't understand it. And I looked it up and like went to the game logs and everything. Uh, it was their blowout loss to the Grizzlies, uh, like which was their third worst defeat of the season, and uh, like they also lost against the Sixers, uh, like in one of his early games, and that was another game where he played like a decent amount, and it completely nuked his net rating. Uh, and outside of those two games, he's had a net rating of negative one point eight seven. Yeah. I mean, that makes so, like, sense. He, that's like, that's, uh, you know, it's obviously, it's not in the positive, but that's like right near neutral, which I think is fine for like a role player, bench guy, whatever. Like, you know, he just, he got that rating. It's like such a small sample size that it just yeah. got nuked by those two blowouts. And I'm con I'm confident that he will deliver in the postseason, uh, which is why it is so important that Kyle Kuzma just, blows us all away in the post well and look if if markeith can't do it then we know that the third morris triplet mark will uh be willing to step in and like switch and take his place you know like we all that's, know we all know the about the, get eliminated yeah no 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 no. that's marcus like we know mark is the third oh, is the triplet yeah the secret third triplet that takes their place when they're injured good god yeah, Bone this is man. the conspiracy theory that, that we bring you on <laughs> Lakers Explained. Is, uh, if you have not looked up the Mark Morris conspiracy theory, you got to look it up. Like some, some Reddit <laughs> user really dove in deep on this and I did, uh, figured I out that there is – I didn't know that existed. No, no, yeah. They, no, this is a real thing. There is a conspiracy theory that, there's a, that they are not Morris twins, that they are Morris triplets. And when one of them is hurt or injured, then Mark Morris will go and fill in for them. I wonder what that um... – the salary books look like like how how is that divvied up i think i think they have like a charity fund where like they, you look and you see like one suspicious like like a suspiciously high like paycheck to someone or whatever you know they're all brothers maybe they just buy <laughs> stuff for him like you know he just puts stuff on his amazon wish list and they just order it and you know like uh, avoid taxes that way assuming i think i just accused the morrises of tax evasion and i just want to apologize <laughs> like i am that was all sarcasm just at fbi that was a joke i'm just kidding I, so I have funny. no evidence that uh, there's a third Morris triplet, but it is a fun conspiracy theory. Well, whether it's Mark, Marquis, or Marcus, I think, you know, it's it, there's a high probability that they make an impact in the postseason. Yeah, and look, if the Clippers get upset, then, like, it's never been – it's literally never been easier for Marcus to fill into his role. Like, they're all in the same place. Like, it's it's real easy for him to sneak in there if, you know, Marquis, like, you know, pulls an ankle or something like that. But if Markeith is as good as you and I are expecting him to be, because I do, I want to make it clear that I, I do think Markeith 
is probably a better fit in that closing lineup than Kuzma is yeah. because of how he spaces the floor. At least with how they've played so far this season, like he, I think I don't even think that's a hot take. I think he absolutely is. Which is why it's so important that Kyle Kuzma just shows that he's elite or close to elite at something in the postseason, whether it's making open three pointers from the corner or picking up, you know, wings on 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 the perimeter which the lakers don't have a lot of if the lakers go big in a lineup with lebron danny green kyle kuzma markeith morris and anthony davis you need kyle kuzma to be able to pick up wings and i'm not talking like second string wings i'm talking about you know paul george or you know somebody that can beat you off the dribble if kyle kuzma's shown he can do that particularly in the game against the Celtics earlier this season. And yeah, even I was going to say, matchup. you made the case well. You found some of these games where he's done it. I think another one is the Russell Westbrook game against Houston, right. where like he really show, he really slowed Westbrook down. And obviously that did not hold up, I think, over their third matchup or whatever the yeah. next one was. But like, you know, he has had moments this season where when he locked in, locks in, he's made a difference defensively. And that last game against the Clippers, he did a pretty good job on Landry Shamit. Um, so elite, it, elite it, wing Landry Shamit, yeah. you know. <laughs> You get what I mean. One of the I mean, biggest threats. Eh? Like when I think of like what are the things the Lakers have to slow down in like a playoff series, it's Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Landry Shamit. I mean, but Kuzma couldn't even slow down Jared Dudley last year. All due respect to Duds. Like, yeah, any growth is welcome at this point. And actually, I take that back because the playoffs are going to slow down Paul George. So Landry Shamit <laughs> up to number two, like has a more pr- proven playoff resume, I guess. Which than, uh, playoff like, peak. Best of wishes to Landry Shaman. Hopefully he makes a trip to Orlando because Oh, did, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I feel bad test now. Positive like, for COVID. All right, I, uh, I forgot about that when I was making those jokes. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is... Um, God, I like Kyle Kuzma so much. I think on a team number like... One, if I'm the number one Danny Green defender in the silver screen roll slack, like you will log on on your days off to defend Kyle Kuzma to the death from Anthony's like uh, libel and slander. <laughs> Because I think if, if this were a team like the Suns or Kings where Kyle Kuzma was the number two option on offense or close to the number two option on offense, I think he'd look as good as he did in his rookie season, except for maybe the three-point shooting, which seems to be a ship that sailed long ago. Um, yeah, I, I think don't... the best you can hope for at this point is like league average or like a random like hot stretch, you know, like at the right time. Like, yeah, yeah you're not he's not ever going to be, I don't think, like better than a league average shooter, at least not like on aggregate for his career. But but if he can be a reliable third option, he becomes the third guy in that closing lineup. Like it's really that simple. And that's what I'd like to see from Kuzma in the postseason is you've heard so much about the Lakers needing to be that third guy by committee. And so far it's worked out for them, but to have that guy to lean on in Kuzma, I think would just be wonderful. And I or think at least a- just like, like 60 to 70% of the time instead yeah. of like 20% of the time, you know what I mean? Like I think, yeah, you make the point, like they've needed that extra guy and he showed last year that he could be that secondary yeah. scorer next to LeBron. And like he thrived yeah. in that role a lot more so than any of the other Lakers young guys. But what I think has been really the struggle for him this year is like, you can't keep saying like, Oh, well he just needs more possessions to be able to like thrive. Like, okay, well, then he's not a fit on the Lakers. Like, because that's just what it is. If he can only thrive when LeBron or AD are out of the lineup, then he's just like, you know, you can say like playing with the bench, stagger him, whatever. But like the Lakers, if they're going to have Kuz like be this guy that's going to help put them over the top, he has to be able to play with those guys, especially like as the four in a small ball lineup with AD, or at least as the three or something like that with maybe LeBron guarding the fours or, you know, whatever. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is Kyle Kuzma can be, the best basketball player in the world. But if he isn't a fit with the two other greatest basketball players in the world, then. Well, no, I mean, okay, let's not go that far. If he's the best (laughs) basketball player in the world, then we start talking about how do AD and LeBron fit in with him. But like, (laughs) I think we could say like, he's the best uh, 27th overall pick in the world uh, or something like that. Like if he is, then he's still got to figure out a way to fit in with those guys. Cause look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and like die on the hill of if Kuzma becomes better than LeBron and AD that like (laughs) he needs to learn to, at that point, they got to learn to fit in with him and the Lakers need to get him more possessions. I don't think you have to worry about that, bud. 
Yeah, well, um, we'll see. That would be a nice problem for the Lakers to have, right? That'd be a fun story <laughs> to cover in Orlando is Kuz all of a sudden becoming an MVP candidate, like really just took the quarantine seriously and worked on his game. Him becoming Kobe after the Lakers lost to the Pistons, just saying like, all right, well, time to rebuild around me. Imagine if like the, the eight, like the eight, like, uh, you know, like uh, finish the season games, he just averages 30 and we're like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> I mean, I I don't even know what that off season would look like because I believe at that he's, point it's time to extend him. I think. Like, yeah, he's yeah. eligible for an extension in the off season, but boy, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, they'd probably let him play it out to restricted free agency to conserve cap space and all that stuff anyway. That's but a, like that's a whole different podcast. That's when, a good problem for them to have down the line. <laughs> you know, we will do that podcast. Why the Lakers can't max Kyle Kuzma yet explained if yeah. he does that, have that breakout in Orlando. Should the, should the Lakers prioritize Kuzma over Giannis and free agency explained? <laughs> <laughs> if we, yeah, that'll be, that'll be, you know, that'll be great for our listenership. That'll be great for like all of it. So yeah, let's like fingers crossed. Kuz goes off in Orlando. Uh, and I think that that caps off our, our players, unless I forgot somebody. Yeah. Did like, we skip anyone and just straight up not talk about them? Because I think honestly, like that's the biggest indictment of all. If we just did not even, if there's anyone that we just didn't mention, we mentioned yeah. White at the beginning. We weren't sure if he's going, <laughs> uh, Zach Norvell, not going to be joining the team. Uh, no, I think we're good. I think we covered them all. And, and again, I'm sorry for forgetting Quinn Cook earlier, but we did say his name during this podcast. Yeah, we so. mentioned him at yeah, some we point. We did not. Did not I mean, are we him. are we considering him in the category of guys with things to prove or the previous one? No, I I again, I do I'd not say think. probably too small of a role. Like, yeah, and just like too small of a person. Like, I think. Dion Waiters is going to play more. Now this than is Quinn. just mean. Now, like yeah, no, you, you were defending I'm, him and you had him. He's like he logged on to this. Somebody told him somebody's <laughs> defending quit you in the in the Lakers Twitter streets, and he was ready to jump on. And he's been <laughs> listening to this podcast, and then now you're just slandering him. I, uh, I'm no, sorry. Quinn. I'm just saying Dion Waiters has two more inches over him and a little more defensive like effort in him, which is why I think he's lower on the ladder. Even even though Dion Waiters, I think, has played a combined. 40 something minutes this season i think waiters will probably get more playing time otherwise they wouldn't have felt the need to sign like another yeah. guard if they were so confident in quinn cook well yeah i mean it's also it's like gms who are not sam presti have once said like it's not about the size it's how you use it so maybe quinn cook can figure out and like uh how to use his size <laughs> uh well then that's our show harrison thank you again for joining me as you do every week i mean i understand it's your job but you could also call off like i could be bad at my job you know and just like not show up and nope i'm not gonna make the joke i was gonna make here so we'll just (laughs) we'll keep on moving uh yeah no i i this this is honestly podcast days are one of my favorite days of the week we hope that you are all enjoying listening to this as much as like we're having fun kind of just shooting the shit every week and uh yeah and yeah we'll we'll, uh talk to you guys all again next week